is John 17, and the Passion is verse 20 through 23. This is Jesus talking. He said, And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to join together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as, together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Yeah. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity, and that the world will be convinced that, that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Amen. You want me to preach? No. So we're singing, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory. But before Jesus left, before he went to the cross, he prayed to the Father and he said, Father, the glory that I've given, that you've given me, I'm giving them. He said, I'm not just praying for these, my disciples, but for all those who will believe that the glory that you've given me, I'm giving them. And this glory is going to cause them to walk in unity, a unity that the unbelieving world will look at and go, there's something different about them. And he said, it's my glory. And that word glory is the manifest presence of God. So when we walk in unity, it's the glory of God manifested on the earth. Right? That's not too deep, right? When we walk in unity, it's the manifest glory of God on the earth. Why do you think the enemy's fighting so much to bring division? In the world, in the church. In my days, I've never seen as much division as I see this day. Why do you think that is? A house divided can't stand. That's right. A house divided can't stand. It's bigger than that. When we come together in unity, the glory of God manifests, and His glory destroys the yoke. Why do you think the enemy wants us to stay divided over political positions, over skin color, over what we think is right and what we think is wrong? If He can keep us divided, the glory of God will not cover the earth. The darkness covered the earth and gross darkness the people. He said, it's time to arise and shine and let your light come. That will not happen when we allow division. When we choose to set our eyes on something or someone other than him, he's the only one worthy. He's the only one who paid for your sin. The only one worthy of your attention. And when we allow our eyes to drift and to wander, we allow division to come in our heart 
because it'll come into your heart before it ever comes into your head because out of the heart a man speaks and what you behold you become you can be seated because I'm going to get started right there What you behold, you become. John 17 I pray that for them all verse 21 to be joined together as one even as you and I father are joined together as one I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me for the very glory you have given to me I have given them so that they may be so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, that they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love you have for me. See, you understand, guys, unity affects, disunity affects us. But the real tragedy of division is an unbelieving world. The real tragedy of division is an unbelieving world. He said, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me Jesus said in this day that we're living signs, wonders and miracles that's important, he said in Mark 16 these signs will follow those who believe they won't lead them, they will follow them he said but what will convince an unbelieving world is when believers can live as one That's Jesus speaking. Second Corinthians chapter three, this verse wrecked me. Paul writing to the church at Corinth, verse three says this clearly. You are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with, by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. He said, you, look at your neighbor, say he's talking about you, clearly, 
clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us. Selah. Just a moment. Clearly. Unquestionably. You are an epistle. That's not a little apostle. That's a story written, an account written for all to read. So here's my question, everyone watching, everyone in the room. What are people reading about you? What gospel are you preaching? Because you're preaching and people are reading. It's written. What? Let me write this. Let me say it this way. Not what are you preaching, what are you writing with your life? Are you pointing people to Jesus or to a position or a cause or a purpose other than Him? What are you writing today? Because what you're writing is being read. Clearly, you are a book of Christ. Clearly, you are a book. People are reading your book. Are we showing them a true manifestation of the glory of God? Or are we showing them what we think it's supposed to look like? He goes on to say this in verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Our sufficiency is from God. Selah. So for you to say, I'm not enough, I don't make a difference, is to say God made a mistake. I can't make a difference. Yes, you can. When you look like him, you will make a difference because you'll light up a dark place. What are you writing, people? What are you writing? Clearly, you are an epistle written by all men. But our sufficiency is from God. Verse 6. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. 
He said, you don't want to go back under law where your goodness and your right works are what determines whether you're right with God or not. I paid a price through my son Jesus. That your sufficiency is from what he did. Not of the law, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Verse 7. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious. So what's he saying? So the Ten Commandments, they weren't bad. They were glorious. But the purpose of the Ten Commandments was to show man their need for God, not to make them holy. The Ten Commandments today are still viable when you use them to show a fallen person who's separated from God what their sin does. That they're not perfect. Their goodness can't get them there. Ten Commandments are not for the believer because we have a new covenant. Listen, but the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of what? What? condemnation. What ministry is this? Those that were written and engraven on stone. What was written and engraved on stone? The Ten Commandments, correct? The others were written on parchment. The others were not on animal skin. They were not written in stone. Are you with me? He said that If the ministry, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Glory. John 17, how do he say his glory is manifested on the earth? We walk in unity. We can preach New Testament. We can talk New Testament. We can do all of that. And that's great and, and good. The scriptures are important. But if we're not living it, if our epistle isn't written that we are walking together, then the glory's not there. Your problem's not with me. For if what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. So if you say, Todd, you seem a little stirred today. I am. I have great boldness of speech. Because I know that what I'm sharing is the scriptures that we are supposed to be living by. Not by the narrative of the world, but by the scriptures. And if we're not, we can get mad, we can do whatever. But the only thing that's going to change is his truth. It's only it's going to change the situation. His truth doesn't change. The only thing that will bring change is truth.
Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great, and that word hope, that means confident expectation of good. We use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so the children of Israel could not see, could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. So Moses veiled his face because that glory he had was temporary. Ours is not temporary unless we, we forsake it. But their minds were blinded until, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So the Lord's really been working in my life and saying, Todd, where are there areas that you feel bound? Those are areas you haven't let the Spirit of the Lord in. areas you feel conflicted you haven't allowed him in verse 18 but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord so as we, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from glory to glory. What that says in a nutshell is this what you behold, you become. If you're beholding the narrative the news is putting out before you, you're going to start to look like what you see. Your story that you're writing is going to start looking like the headlines. Amen or oh me. But as we behold him, we look like him. This morning I was praying. The Lord brought this back to my, to my heart, talking about seeing talking about being one with him and with one another and the Lord reminded me of this I read it a few years ago and uh, (laughs) we where Tina and I live the Lord has just blessed us we live at a dead end road and there's woods beside us and there's acres back behind us of of trees and land and stuff so we live right in the city of Elon but it's like we are out in the middle of the woods and we have deer we have foxes we have squirrels raccoons we have hawks and we have owls we have two owls that'll talk to each other Every, every night that I've been out in this past week, whether I'm sitting on our screen imports behind the house or walking out at night to let our dog out, I've seen this owl. And this owl, his wingspan's about this wide. 
when he sweeps through, you're like, you can't miss him. And just uh, this week, Tuesday of this week, he perched down on the end of our fence behind our house, and you could see him standing off the fence. He was this tall, standing off our fence. Massive bird. Predator. And this morning, the Lord reminded me about this owl I've been seeing, and he reminded me of a word Chris Valton gave December 1st of 2016. I think he's written more about it. He might have even written a book about the owl and the, the epic season that we're in that's changed from the eagle to the owl. And here's, um, he said, I recently uh, preached at the School of Worship at Bethel, and as I was getting ready, uh, getting my things together to walk up on the podium, God stopped me and began to speak. He told me to prophes- prophesy over the students before preaching. When I asked him what the word was, he responded, the epic season has changed, and it requires a new prophetic mascot. The prophetic mascot for this hour is no longer the eagle, it's the owl. The owl is nocturnal, so it is designed to live in the night, to see through the darkness, and to know who's who. It's the symbol of wisdom. The Holy Ghost is all over me right now. It's the symbol of wisdom, and it feasts. It eats. It feasts on rats and snakes. Can I get a hallelujah, honey? She hates a snake. almost have the same effect on her. It can be dead in the road and she'll go. The owl can see through the dark and see who's who. Who's who. He's not distracted by darkness. This is a word God gave him in 2016. Don't be distracted by the darkness. We're in a new prophetic season. You know what that should told us in 2016? What was coming? Darkness. The beginning of this year, my wife stood here and said, I believe the Lord is saying this year is a 2020 is a year of perfect vision. Her and I had not talked about it. That's what the Lord had been stirring in my heart about 2020 vision. You say, oh, that's easy. It's 2020. Still, we had not talked about it. We had not said, we're not these, we don't, we don't do those cliche every year. Great in 08 and divine in 09 and all that. Seven heaven. We didn't, we've never done that. And the Lord's saying, 2020 is going to be a year of perfect vision. And it looks like everything just blew apart. But you know what? The true reality is manifesting. What's been hidden is being brought to light. And it's our responsibility in this hour. You say, you're hanging all this on Chris Walton's word. No, but if I honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, I'll receive a prophet's reward. And I know his anointing, I know his history with the Lord. 
And I know what the Lord has been saying to me to remind me of this from years ago. That it's a time that we're supposed to be seeing clearly in the darkness, not distracted by the darkness, not propagating the darkness, but seeing through the darkness and declaring light. Today was supposed to be Vision Sunday. I was going to talk about vision, church vision, and everything like that. But I'm telling you, when we're stumbling in the dark, it's hard to talk about vision. When we're like the Word says, tossed about to and fro by every wind of doctrine. The people saying, this is right and that's right, and not looking to light and allowing light to come out of us. He said that word did not apply uh, only apply to the school of worship students, but to every believer. It's a word for the current epoch we're stepping into as a church. So the Lord has called for a changing of the guard from the eagle to the owl, and we must align ourselves with this change in order to see what God is wanting to do in the world. An owl can go in the darkest place in the world and still see clearly. An owl represents wisdom. He said this, one of the last things... uh, he talks about see to see like an owl. He says this. He's given us new eyes to see through darkness, cloudiness, and fogginess so that we can see the gold in people clearly. Pre- precious souls who are wrapped up in the sin, in sin, are just waiting to be recovered and set free. But if all we see is darkness, then we, we're looking... Our, Our perspective is off. We were talking last week after service, and uh, a friend recently had a motorcycle accident. And someone asked him, said, what happened? How did you, because he ran off the road and and wrecked. He said, what happened? He said, I saw a car pull out, and I thought it was going, it came right up to the edge. I thought it was going to pull out on me. So I, I was focused on the car and not on the road. It's called target fixation. It's really dangerous when you're, riding a motorcycle, if you start looking at what you think is a hazard instead of where you're going, you'll go where you don't want to go. That same thing happens in life. When we focus on what we don't want to be, guess what we end up being? How many parents who don't want to be like their parents end up like their parents because all they do is talk about what they don't want to be instead of who they do want to be? target fixation. Look, if you're stuck on the dark, you won't be light. And you won't even understand how dark you are. When your light becomes darkness, He's given us eyes to see through darkness, cloudiness and fogginess so that we can see the gold in people. Precious souls who are wrapped in sin, just waiting to be recovered and set free. This is how we will see cultures transformed by his kingdom. 
by going into dark places and bringing the wisdom we carry as believers. <laughs> he said this, and then uh, he said, many people have had some exposure to the Bible, but few have encountered the life and active word of God. The life and active word of God. We owe the world a face-to-face meeting with, the create, with their creator and his extravagant love. We just sang about his reckless love. We just talked about the prodigal son coming home and the father, his, his extravagant love, who looked beyond all the rejection, all the denial of the son. He looked through the darkness to see the gold that was on the inside of his son. He refused to be distracted by the chaos, the chatter. Don't you know that this father's friends were telling him he was wasting his time standing there every day looking? No, you you don't think that way. You never had friends telling you, oh man, I can't believe you're believing for that. I can't believe you're going to do that. Those unbelieving believers. All right, I won't go there. John chapter 8. This is after 7. Seven's what we were reading about the woman and the extravagant worship. Soon afterward, Jesus began a ministry, a ministry tour throughout the country, visiting cities and villages to announce the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm. His 12 disciples traveled with him and also a number of women who had been healed of many illnesses under his ministry and set free from demonic power. Jesus had cast out seven demons from one woman. Her name was Mary Magdalene, for she was from the village of Magdala. Among the women were Susanna and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, who managed King Herod's household. Many other women who supported Jesus' ministry from their own personal finances also traveled with him. Massive crowds gathered from many towns to hear Jesus, and he taught. He taught them using metaphors and parables such as this. Verse 5. A farmer went out to sow seeds for a harvest. As he scattered his seeds, some fell on the hard pathway and was quickly trampled down and unable to grow and became nothing but bird seed. Some fell on the gravel, and though it sprouted, it it couldn't take root. It withered for lack of moisture. Other seed fell where there was nothing but but weeds. It, It, too, was unable to grow to full maturity, for it was choked out by the weeds. Yet some of the seed fell in good, into into good, fertile soil, and it grew and flourished until it produced more than a hundredfold harvest, a bumper crop. 
Then Jesus added, shouting out to all who will hear, listen with your heart and you will understand. Not with your head, listen with your heart because out of your heart your mouth speaks. Listen with your heart and you will understand. Why? Because when we become, when we are born from above, the Spirit of God lives in us. He's our teacher, our counselor, our guide. So he'll speak from the heart. And Jesus said, listen from the heart and you'll understand. Later, his disciples came to Jesus and asked him privately, what deeper meaning was found in this parable? He said, you have been... You've been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of the king of God's kingdom realm. But to those who don't but to those who don't have a listening heart, my words are merely stories. Even though they have ears, they are blind to the true meaning of what I'm say of what I say. And even though they listen, they won't receive full revelation. Verse 11. Here then is the deeper meaning to my parable. The word of God is the seed that is sown into our hearts. The hard pathway represents the hard hearts of the hard hearts of men who hear the word of God, but the slander quickly snatch the slanderer, the enemy, Satan, quickly snatches away what was sown into their hearts to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. The seed falling on the gravel represents those who initially respond to the word with joy. But soon afterward, when a season of har harassment of the enemy and difficulty come to them, they wither and fall away, for they have no root in the truth, and their faith is temporary. The seed that falls into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own anxious cares, the riches of this world, and the fleeting pleasures of this life. This is why they never become mature and fruitful. The seed that fell into good, into good, fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it as dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. Again, verse 15, the seed that fell into good, fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. You know what he says next? No one lights a lamp and then hides it, covering it over or putting it where its light won't be seen. No, the lamp is placed on a lampstand so others are able to benefit from its brightness. We are the glory of God, His brightness, His manifestation. We are the glory of God, right? That's how we started, right? We can't take that and put it under a bushel. We can't hide it. In this dark hour, we've got to see clearly. We've got to speak clearly from the heart. We've got to believe 
deeply in our heart that this word, these scriptures are true and live from them. That's what an unbelieving world is looking for. That's the book that we're to be writing with our lives. Is that look at him. Look at him. He's worthy of it all. Look at him. in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Father, we bless you. good soil that brings forth a hundredfold return of your glory of your goodness of your manifest presence in our lives because yours is the kingdom Yours is the power. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is of you and not of us. And yours is the glory, that glory that you have given to us. And clearly we see God. That we're a story being written and writing one. God, my heart's desire for this local fellowship is that when people read our story, they see Jesus. Through all the different personalities and people, it's a beautiful tapestry of the person of Jesus. Because we're one in Him. <laughs> not, not focused on what we don't want, but focused on the one that we want. <clears throat> that we manifest Jesus. I thank you for Chris Valton's word 
about this season. That we see as the owl. And that we get rid of the rats and the snakes. They want to destroy and deceive. set our eyes upon them and fixate on them. We just get rid of them. Thank you, God. yesterday right there with the kids. I want to give honor to whom honor is due, and I want to honor Julie Ryerson for loving on our kids yesterday in such an excellent way. Amen. Thank you to the ones who came and helped, who volunteered and helped. This right here, Church, this this is why we better write our stories well. Diane and John's little baby that's growing. That's why we better write our stories well. Because what we have is what we hand down. You see all these precious little hands? What are we manifesting to them? What story are we writing? For them. There's my little McKenna. Little Tessa. Malia, bless the Lord. Your hand's as big as mine. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. worthy and you know what we're worth it what we're worth it because he paid the highest price for us so don't say you're not worthy you weren't worthy but when you came to him he washed you and he made you new He didn't do it based on your worth. He did it based on his. You were worth it because he wanted to redeem what had been lost. Some of the parents will be here at 10 a.m. If you can come, we're going to start. I don't know what all we're going to be doing. There might be some painting. Uh, if you're a painter, I'm not. My hand doesn't fit the brush just right. Um, what are we going? <laughs> the drill. Yeah, this is the, the new thing. The kids put paint on here yesterday, and then they threw it like a frisbee. So this is contemporary art. It can be yours for $400. (laughs) Going to the kids' ministry. Amen, too. (laughs) Jay said, I've seen them. They'll put drops on them. They get these cordless drills, and they put a thing in the back of the painting, and they just go, and it spins the paint off. Landon said, we can do that in here. I said, nope. (laughs) Not going to (laughs) happen. about that was um, I had Malia Eva Grace and Ella Ann came up and I said okay we're going to pour it I'm good (laughs) we're going to pour it um, pick out your favorite colors Um, because there's going to be a teaching in that too about how we all have we all have a color we all have a sound and everybody's unique and it was really interesting, the color combinations they used. They were all beautiful. But then you pour them, and you have blobs, and they kind of run. It's like, okay, now let's go have fun with it. And we did. We were out there throwing it like a Frisbee. Paint in the grass, flowing everywhere. So it's like, okay, we've got to stay everywhere. Nobody can walk in it. <laughs> but then it's actually like, all start running together. So it's like, yes, it runs together to make a perfect picture. However, our lives are intertwined. This is what unity looks like. This is what unity looks like. It can be messy. Oh, we got messy there a couple Not of times. Not conformity. Exactly. This is what unity looks like. It is. 
but if you go in, look at the beautiful combinations of how the colors would run together. You could see beautiful streams, a beautiful flow of where they would come in. Here it looks like a waterfall, but then this would override it. But still, it was okay. just like movement. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But that's just it. That's the whole thing. It's, yeah. it's not conformity. It's like, okay, we don't have to look the same, but we still make a pretty piece of yeah. picture. And the thing art. that, the theme, before she talks about this, the yeah. theme is for the kids, is God made me awesome. Awesome. And it's from the scripture, you're wonderfully and fearfully made. So from the smallest up to the, to the oldest, the message they're hearing is, God made me awesome. And you can make a difference. So exactly. this you, You're going to bring your own color. You're going to yeah. bring knowing your identity. Julie talks about all the time. As long as I've known Julie, Julie's talking about you got to know your identity. As long as I've known you guys, it's about the identity. If you know who you are in Him, you can bring your own flavor. You can bring your own color. Back to what I painted, I watch the sky, and the sky has been something. I'm always watching the sky. And I see it, and I, there's no way I can duplicate it, but I go in, I'm like, I don't care. The heavens declare His glory. And His glory is not monotone. His, no, his glory is not straight line. His glory is color, it's bursting, it's energy, and it's fun. Once again, it can get messy, but the heavens declare, and he's poured that into us. He wants to pour that into us to where we declare his glory. Jay, you get another one. (laughs) Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. We're, uh, if you'll stand, we'll do our offering declaration. And uh, Julie, come on. Come on down. Thank you guys so much for playing. There's the mic right there. Tina has the mic. Yeah. Is it unmuted? Let me it's ready to go. You just talk into it. Hold it up. This is just to get things started. Um, We had such a great time yesterday, and I truly want to say thank you to everyone. And I'm not going to try to name them all because I'll leave someone out. And I don't care if you just did just the smallest of the smallest or the biggest of the biggest. I needed you. And I just, I, I can't thank you enough. Brittany and I have worked on this and the ideas and and bringing who they are, which is fearfully and wonderfully made, every one of those kids. And if you had been here to see them yesterday, you would have seen the awesomeness of God in those kids. Yeah, that's right. It was beautiful. So again, we're going to have a kickoff, and it's going to be on Saturday, August the 1st. So our kids can come back together again because we're going to start a new season in the children's ministry. And it will start the first and the third Sundays. We will have the pre-K, three-year-olds to pre-K, and then kindergarten to third grade. And during church, um, 
probably take them out of here about 11 o'clock. Don't hold me to every detail right now, um, but this is what is in the plans of right now. But please mark on your calendars August 1st, that Saturday. I think it's 10 to 1. And then on Sunday, August 2nd, you will begin to see our children on the first and third Sundays have their time in, in their church for them. But I have a question for you. You know, I just had a birthday this week, so I got to remember how old I am. <laughs> so for a few weeks ago, when the Lord laid on my heart about the river kids, I went, God, don't you know how old I am? God, don't you know how long it's been since I've been in children's ministry? God, I don't even know if these kids like this day and time. God, and he says, well, Julie, are you going to trust me? Right. So, you know, I may not have the energy that I once had, but I have God oh, Almighty that I am desperately trying to follow in this. Amen. And so I am asking you, Brittany and I need you. Do you hear me? But most of all, these kids need you. Now, I know if the Lord spoke to this 64-year-old woman that says it's time for you to come on back out. Come on. Then he's speaking to somebody else in here. Come on. Now, it may not be a season for you, but it may just be a time. Come on. And maybe I'm just a spark. Hey, I don't have to do this forever. God, because I've got, got something else for me to do. We'll go on and do that. Whatever he uses, whether I'm the spark or whatever, what's he doing in you? Yeah. Is there a way you can help me and Brittany? Come on. For these kids here. If there is, see me. Amen. You say, I don't know you, Julie. We'll see Brittany. Call or whatever. <laughs> see, you know, Tana. Tana, I just put you up there. Sorry about that, baby girl. That's good. You know, but see us. The three of us, surely you can catch one of us. What can you do? Right. We need helpers. Amen. It is a commitment. First Sunday, third Sunday. I'm just asking you, and if you say, Julia, that's just not my thing, then I know what your thing is. I can tell you what your thing is. You have been called to pray. You have been called to be for, before the Lord God himself because these are his kids. That's right. So if you can't help us physically, then I ask you, please, please keep these kids before you. Amen. Pray for them. Pray for me. Pray for Brittany. And pray for whoever else comes on the board. But I'm going to tell you one thing. You missed a good day yesterday because it was fun. Amen. And pray for me and for the church because on the third Sunday, I'm going to be with the kids. So who will be up here? I'm not sure yet, but I'm going to be with the kids because you know what? They're worth it. They're worth it. And there are others, as she said, that I'm expecting to step up and say, yeah, I want to help. Because we're starting every other because, simply because we don't have 
the manpower, the volunteers to go every Sunday. So we're going to start every other. We're not going to just say until one day when we have enough, we'll do it. No, we're going to start with what we got. I have, let me say this, then we'll do offering declaration. But I just remembered this. I have, uh, I've made a friend, a good friend, our, uh, the guy who's doing the electrical work. I don't know if you notice, it's brighter in here. We put all new lights on the walls, and we hung these new lights right up here in the middle. But he and I worked this week. He uh, really loves the Lord. I wish, he's about 10 years younger than me, but he's got about twice as much energy as Annalise. And that's no joke. I mean, he's just like this. And he does it, and he manages I'm just Anyway. He said this to me this week. We were sitting up here uh, Friday night. He had been, he worked here Friday night until about 10, 10 o'clock working. And we were sitting in my um, Jeep out behind the building because his car was back there. And it was, he was, we were just talking about the Lord. And uh, he said, I remember this quote from years ago, years ago, and I don't know who Arthur Ashe is. Maybe you do tennis player, okay? He said this, start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. And Tommy looked at me, and he said, this is what I've memorized. And he said, I'll write it anywhere, everywhere. Sometimes I write it on the check. When I pay a bill, I'll write it on the ticket. Start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. He said, that's something every one of us can do. If we would start where we are, and use what we have, not what somebody else or what we wish someone else had, and do what we can, we can make a difference. Amen? I said, let me write that down. He said, you'll memorize it. I said, let me write it down until I do. Because he's got a mind that's just, anyway. Start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. That's pretty, pretty biblical. Right? God, look at people, he said, what do you have? Okay, use it. And I can do something great with it. It's just a stick. It's a sling. What's in your hand? As we receive today's offering, we are thanking you for heaven open, our hearts awaken, and a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We boldly proclaim that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are powerful and purposeful, faithful and not fearful. We worship today with passion and pursuit, knowing the enemy is defeated and that we are seated in victory with Christ. We give today with joy and thanksgiving, declaring your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We live today from heaven to earth and proclaim that by your love and grace, we will never be the same in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't forget, next Saturday at 10 o'clock, we're going to be here. We're going to be working. And I know that sounds fun. You want to be here. You don't want to miss that. Anything else, love? And then August, uh, the first Saturday in August, we'll have our kickoff to the kids' ministry, which will be uh, start on the second. Thank you so much. God bless you.